ओम नमो भागवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भागवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भागवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नरम चरोतम दी सरस्वती व्यास We're continuing our reading of the Shrimad Bhagavatam, taking up where we left off this morning, and we're in the second canto, third chapter, entitled "Pure Devotional Service," and we're on verse number twenty. One who has not listened to the messages about the prowess and marvelous acts of the personality of Godhead and has not sung or chanted loudly. The worthy songs about the Lord is to be considered to possess ear holes, like the holes of snakes, and a tongue like the tongue of a frog. Purport: Devotional service to the Lord is rendered by all limbs or parts of the body. It is the transcendental dynamic force of the spirit soul. Therefore, a devotee is engaged 100% in the service of the Lord. One can engage in devotional service when the senses of the body are purified in relation with the Lord, and one can render service to the Lord with the help of all the senses. As such, the senses and the action of the senses are to be considered impure or materialistic as long as they are employed only in sense gratification. The purified senses are engaged not in sense gratification but in the service of the Lord in toto. The Lord is the supreme with all senses, and the servitor, who is part and parcel of the Lord, also has the same senses. Service to the Lord is the completely purified use of the senses, as described in the Bhagavad Gita. The Lord imparted instructions with full senses, and Arjuna received them with full senses, and thus there was a perfect exchange. Of sensible and logical understanding between the master and the disciple, spiritual understanding is nothing like an electrical charge from the master to the disciple, as foolishly claimed by some propaganda mongers. Everything is full of sense and logic, and the exchange of views between the master and disciple is possible only when the reception is submissive and real. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that one should receive the teachings of Lord Chaitanya with intellect and full senses, so that one can logically understand the great mission. In the impure state of a living being, the various senses are fully engaged in mundane affairs. If the ear is not engaged in the service of the Lord by hearing about Him from Bhagavad Gita or Shrimad Bhagavatam, certainly the holes of the ear. Will be filled with some rubbish. Therefore, the messages of Bhagavad Gita and Shrimad Bhagavatam should be preached all over the world very loudly. That is the duty of a pure devotee who has actually heard about them from the perfect sources. Many want to speak something to others, but because they are not trained to speak on the subject matter of Vedic wisdom, they are all speaking nonsense, and people are receiving them with no sense. There are hundreds and thousands of sources for distributing mundane news of the world, and people of the world are also receiving it. 
Similarly, the people of the world should be taught to hear the transcendental topics of the Lord, and the devotee of the Lord must speak loudly so that they can hear. The frogs loudly croak, with the result that they invite the snakes to eat them. The human tongue is especially given for chanting the Vedic hymns and not for croaking like frogs. The word asati used in this verse is also significant. Asati means a woman who has become a prostitute. A prostitute has no rep reputation for good womanly qualities. Similarly, the tongue, which is given to the human being for chanting the Vedic hymns, will become considered a pro will be considered a prostitute when engaged in chanting some mundane nonsense. The upper portion of the body, though crowned with a silk turban, is only a heavy burden, if not bowed down before the personality of Godhead, who can award mukti, freedom. And the hands, though decorated with glittering bangles, are like those of a dead man, if not engaged in the service of the personality of Godhead, Hari. Purport, as stated herein before, there are three kinds of devotees of the Lord. The first class devotee does not at all see anyone who is not in the service of the Lord. But the second class devotee makes distinctions between devotees and non-devotees. The second class devotees are therefore meant for preaching work. And as referred to in the above verse, they must loudly preach the glories of the Lord. The second class devotee accepts disciples from the section of third class devotees or non-devotees. Sometimes the first-class devotee come, also comes down to the category of the second-class devotee for preaching work. But the common man, who is expected to become at least a third-class devotee, is advised herein to visit the temple of the Lord and bow down before the deity, even though he may be a very rich man and even a king with a silk turban or crown. The Lord is the Lord of everyone, including the, king, the great kings and emperors, and men who are rich in the estimation of mundane people must therefore make it a point to visit the temple of Lord Sri Krishna and regularly bow down before the deity. The Lord in the temple, in the worshipable form, is never to be considered to be made of stone or wood. For the Lord in his archa incarnation as the deity in the temple shows immense favor to the fallen souls by his auspicious presence. By the hearing process, as mentioned herein before, this realization of the presence of the Lord in the temple is made possible. As such, the first process in the routine work of devotional service, hearing, is the essential point. Hearing by all classes of devotees from the authentic sources like Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam is essential. The common man who is puffed up with his material position and does not bow down before the deity of the Lord in the temple, or who defies temple worship without any knowledge of the science, must know that his so-called turban or crown will only succeed in further drowning him in the water of the ocean of material existence. A drowning man with a heavy weight on his head is sure to go down more swiftly than those who have no heavy weight. A foolish, puffed-up man defies the science of God and says that God has no meaning for him. But when he is in the grip of God's law and is caught by some disease like cerebral thrombrosis, that godless man sinks into the ocean of nations by the weight of his material acquisition. 
Advancement of material science without God consciousness is a heavy load on the head of human society, and so one must take heed of this great warning. The common man, if he has no time to worship the Lord, may at least engage his hands for a few seconds in washing or sweeping the Lord's temple. Maharaj Prataparudra, the greatly powerful king of Orissa, was always very busy with heavy state responsibilities, yet he made it a point to sweep the temple of Lord Jagannath at Puri once a year during the festival of the Lord. The idea is that however important a man one may be, he must accept the supremacy of the Supreme Lord. This God consciousness will help a man even in his material prosperity. Maharaj Prataparudra's subordination before Lord Jagannath made him a powerful king, so much so that even the great Patan of his time could not enter into Orissa on account of the powerful Maharaj Prataparudra. And at last, Maharaj Prataparudra was graced by Lord Sri Chaitanya on the very grounds of his acceptance of subordination to the Lord of the universe. So even though a rich man's wife has glittering bangles made of gold on her hands, she must engage herself in rendering service to the Lord. The eyes which do not look at the symbolic representations of the personality of Godhead Vishnu, his forms, name, quality, etc., are like those printed on the plumes of the peacock, and the legs which do not move to the holy places where the Lord is remembered are considered to be like tree trunks. Purport, especially for the householder devotees, the path of deity worship is strongly recommended. As far as possible, every householder, by the direction of the spiritual master, must install the deity of Vishnu, forms like Radha Krishna, Lakshmi Narayan, or Sita Ram, especially, or any other form of the Lord, like Nasingha, Varaha, Goranitai, Matsya, Kurma, Shalagaram Shila, and many other forms of Vishnu, like Triv Trivakrama. Keshava, Achuta, Vasudev, Narayana, and Damodara. As recommended in the Vaishnav Tantras or Puranas, and one's family should worship strictly following the directions and regulations of Archandaviti. Any member of the family who is above 12 years of age should be initiated by a bona fide spiritual master. And all members of the of the household should be engaged in daily service of the Lord beginning from 4 a.m. till night, 10 p.m., by performing Mangalaratik, Niranjana, Archana, Puja, Kirtan, Sringara, Boja, Vaikali, Sadya Aratik, Pata, Boga, at night, Shayana Aratik, etc. Engagement in such worship of the deity under the direction of a bona fide spiritual master will greatly help the householders to purify their very existence and make rapid progress in spiritual knowledge. Simple theoretical book knowledge is not sufficient for a neophyte devotee. Book knowledge is theoretical, whereas the archon process is practical. Spiritual knowledge must be developed by a combination of theoretical and practical knowledge and that is the guaranteed way for attainment of spiritual perfection. The training of devotional service for a neophyte devotee completely depends on the expert spiritual master who knows how to lead his disciple to make gradual progress towards the path back home, back to Godhead. One should not become a pseudo-spiritual master as a matter of business to meet one's family expenditures. 
One must be an expert spiritual master to deliver the disciple from the clutches of impending death. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has defined the bona fide qualities of a spiritual master. And one of the verses in that description reads, Shivigrahara dhana nityanana shingara tan mandira marjanadao yuktasya bhaktam shchani unjatopi vande guroshi charanara vindam. Shivigraha is the archa, or suitable, worshipable form of the Lord, and the disciple should be engaged in worshiping the deity regularly by shringara, by proper, proper decoration and dressing as also by Mandira Marjana, the matter of cleansing the temple. The spiritual master teaches the neophyte devotee all these kindly and personally to help him gradually in the realization of the transcendental name, quality, form, etc. of the Lord. Only attention engaged in the service of the Lord, especially in dressing and decorating the temple, accompanied by musical kirtan and spiritual instructions from scriptures, can save the common man from the hellish cinema attractions and rubbish sex songs broadcast everywhere by radios. If one is unable to maintain a temple at home, he should go to another's temple, where all the above performances are regularly executed. Visiting the temple of a devotee and looking at the profusely decorated forms of the Lord well-dressed in a well-decorated sanctified temple naturally infuse the mundane mind with spiritual inspiration. People should visit holy places like Vrindavan, where such temples and worship of the deity are specifically maintained. Formerly, all rich men, like kings and rich merchants, constructed such temples under the direction of expert devotees of the Lord, like the six Goswamis, and it is the duty of the common man to take advantage of these temples and festivals observed in the holy places of pilgrimage by following in the footsteps of great devotees. Anuvraja. One should not visit all these sanctified pilgrimage places and temples with sightseeing in mind, but one must go to such temples and sanctified places immortalized by the transcendental pastimes of the Lord and be guided by proper men who know the science. This is called Anuvraja. Anu means to follow. It is therefore best to follow the instruction of the bona fide spiritual master, even in visiting temples and the holy places of pilgrimage. One who does not move in that way is as good as a standing tree condemned by the Lord not to move. The moving tendency of the human being is misused by visiting places for sightseeing. The best purpose of such traveling tendencies could be fulfilled by visiting the holy places established by great acharyas and thereby not being misled by the atheistic propaganda of money-making men who have no knowledge of spiritual matters. The person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotees upon his head is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced the aroma of the Tulsi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body, although breathing. According to Srila Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur, the breathing dead body is a ghost. When a man dies, he is called dead, but when he again appears in a subtle form not visible to our present vision and he acts, such a dead body is called a ghost. Ghosts are always bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. 
Similarly, the ghost-like non-devotees who have no respect for the pure devotees, nor for the Vishnu deity in the temples, create a fearful situation for the devotees at all times. The Lord never accepts any offering from, by such impure ghosts. There is a common saying that one must first love the dog of the beloved before one shows any loving sentiments for the beloved. The stage of pure devotion is attained by sincerely serving a pure devotee of the Lord. The first condition of devotional service to the Lord is therefore to be a servant of a pure devotee. And this condition is fulfilled by the statement, reception of the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee who has also served another pure devotee. That is the way of pure disciplic succession or devotional parampara. Maharaj Rahugana inquired from the great saint Jud Bharat as to how he had attained such a liberated stage of a paramahamsa. And in answer, the great saint replied as follows. Rahuganai tattapasana yati nachejaya nirvapanagrihadva nachandasanaiva jalagni surya ravina mahatparajobishekam. O King Rahugana, the perfectional stage of devotional service or the Paramahamsa stage of life cannot be attained unless one is blessed by the dust of the feet of great devotees. It is never attained by tapasya, austerity, the Vedic worshipping process acceptance of the renounced order of life, the discharge of the duties of household life, the chanting of Vedic hymns, of the Vedic hymns, or the performance of penances in the hot sun, within cold water, or before the blazing fire. In other words, Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees, and as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly, Lord Chaitanya therefore designated himself as Gopi Bhartu Padakamalur Das 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 Anudasaha, or the most obedient servant of the servants of the Lord, who maintain the Gopi damsels at Vrindavan. A pure devotee therefore never approaches the Lord directly, but tries to please the servant of the Lord's servants. And thus the Lord becomes pleased, and only then can the devotee relish the taste of the Tulsi leaves stuck to his lotus feet. In the Brahma Sanghita, it is said that the Lord is never to be found by becoming a great scholar of the Vedic literatures, but he is very easily approachable through his pure devotee. In Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of Srimati Radharani, the pleasure potency of Lord Krishna. Srimati Radharani is a tender-hearted feminine, feminine counterpart of the Supreme Whole, resembling the perfectional stage of the worldly feminine nature. Therefore, the mercy of Radharani is available very readily to the sincere devotees. And once she recommends such a devotee to Lord Krishna, the Lord at once accepts the devotee's admittance into his association. The conclusion is, therefore, that one should be more serious about seeking the mercy of the devotee than that of the Lord directly. And by so doing, and by one's doing so, by the goodwill of the devotee, the natural attraction for the service of the Lord will be received, will be revived. Certainly that heart, Tadashmasaram hridayam batedam yadgrihamaner harinam adhyayai nevikriyatat yadavikaro netre jalam gatra duhesha harshaha. 
Certainly that heart is steel frames. I'll read this and we'll take a few reflections. Certainly that heart is steel framed, which, in spite of one's chanting the holy name of the Lord with concentration, does not change when ecstasy takes place, tears fill the eyes, and the hairs stand on end. Purport. We should note with profit that in the first three chapters of the second canto, a gradual process of development of devotional service is being presented. In the first chapter, the first step in devotional service for God consciousness by the process of hearing and chanting has been stressed. And a gross conception of the personality of Godhead in his universal form for the beginners is recommended. But such a gross conception of God through the material manifestation of his energy, um, <clears throat> by such a gross conception of God through the material manifestations of his energy, one is abled, enabled to spiritualize the mind and the senses and gradually concentrate the mind on Lord Vishnu, the Supreme, who is present as the Supersoul in every heart and everywhere, in whom every atom of the material universe, in every atom of the material universe. The system of Pancha Upasana, recommending five mental attitudes for the common man, is also enacted for this purpose, namely gradual development, worship of the superior that may be in the form of fire, electricity, the sun, the mass of living beings, Lord Shiva, and at last, the impersonal supersoul, the personal man, the partial manifestation of Lord Vishnu. They are all nicely described in the second chapter, but in the third chapter, further development is prescribed after one has actually reached the stage of Vishnu worship or pure devotional service, and the mature stage of Vishnu worship is suggested herein in relation to the change of heart. The whole process of spiritual culture is aimed at changing the heart of the living being in the matter of his eternal relation with the Supreme Lord as a subordinate servant, which is his eternal constitutional position. So, with the progress of devotional service, the reaction of change in the heart is exhibited by gradual detachment from the sense of material enjoyment by a false sense of lording it over the world and an increase in the attitude of rendering loving service to the Lord. Vidhi bhakti, or regulated devotional service by the limbs of the body, namely the eyes, the ears, the nose, the hands, and the legs, as already explained here before, herein before, is now stressed herein in relation to the mind, which is the impetus for all activities of the limbs of the body. It is expected by all means that by discharging regulated devotional service, one must manifest the change of heart. If there is no such change, the heart must be considered steel-framed, for it is not melted even when there is chanting of the holy name of the Lord. We must always remember that hearing and chanting are the basic principles of discharging devotional duties, and if they are properly performed, there will follow the reactional ecstasy, reactional ecstasy, with signs of tears in the eyes and standing of the hairs on the body. These are natural consequences and are the preliminary symptoms of the bhava stage, which occurs before one reaches the perfectional stage of prema, love of Godhead. If the reaction does not take place, 
even after continuous hearing and chanting of the holy name of the Lord, it may be considered due to be due to offenses only. That is the opinion of the Sandarbha. In the beginning of chanting the holy name of the Lord, if the devotee has not been very careful about evading the ten kinds of offenses at the feet of the holy name, certainly the reaction of feelings of separation will not be visible by tears in the eyes and standing of the hair on end. The bhava stage is manifested by eight transcendental symptoms, namely inertness, perspiration, standing the hairs on end, failing in the voice, trembling, paleness of the body, tears in the eyes, and finally, trance. The nectar of devotion, a study of Srila Rupa Goswami's Bhaktirasamrita Sindhu, explains those symptoms and vividly describes other transcendental developments, both in steady and accelerating manifestations. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has very critically discussed all these bhava displays in connection with some unscrupulous neophytes imitating the above symptoms for cheap appreciation. Not only Vishwanath Chakravarti, but also Srila Rupa Goswami treated them very critically. Sometimes all the above eight symptoms of ecstasy are imitated by the mundane devotees, prakrita sahajyas. But the pseudo-symptoms are at once detected when one sees the pseudo-devotee addicted to so many forbidden things. Even though decorated with the signs of a devotee, a person addicted to smoking, drinking, or illegitimate sex with women cannot have all the above-mentioned ecstatic symptoms. But it is seen that sometimes these symptoms are willfully imitated, and for this reason, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti accuses the imitators of being stone-hearted men. They are sometimes even affected by the reflection of such transcendental symptoms. Yet if they still do not give up the forbidden habits, then they are hopeless cases for transcendental realization. When Lord Chaitanya met Srila Ramananda Roy of Kavor on the bank of the Godavari, the Lord developed all these symptoms. But because of the presence of some non-devotee non brahmanas who were attendants of the Roy, the Lord suppressed these symptoms. So sometimes they are not visible even in the body of the first-class devotee for certain circumstantial reasons. Therefore, real steady bhava is definitely displayed in the matter of cessation of material desires, shanti. Utilization of every moment in the transcendent of the loving service of the Lord, of yarta kalatvam. Eagerness for glorifying the Lord constantly, namagani sadaruchi. Attraction for living in the land of the Lord, pritistad vasatistale. Complete detachment from material happiness, virakti, and pridelessness, mana shunyata, shunyata. One who has developed all these transcendental qualities is really possessed of the bhava stage, as distinguished from the stone-hearted imitator of, or mundane devotee. The whole process can be summarized as follows. The advanced devotee who chants the holy name of the Lord in a perfectly offenseless manner and is friendly to everyone can actually relish the transcendental taste of glorifying the Lord. And the result of such realization is reflected in the cessation of all material desires, etc., as mentioned above. The neophytes, due to their being in the lowest stage of devotional service, are invariably envious, so much so 
that they invent their own ways and means of devotional regulations without following the acharyas. As such, even if they make a show of constantly chanting the holy name of the Lord, they cannot relish the transcendental taste of the holy name. Therefore, the show of tears in the eyes, trembling, perspiration, or unconsciousness, etc., is condemned. They can, however, get in touch with a pure devotee of the Lord and rectify their bad habits. Otherwise, they shall continue to be stone-hearted and unfit for any treatment. A complete progressive march on the return path home back to Godhead will depend on the instructions of the revealed scriptures directed by a realized devotee. If you just turn the zoom back on or reveal it, it's a vyakta. Hare Krishna. And um, we'll take some questions that will <clears throat> expand the subject matter, if you have any, or reflection. Yes. Uh, thank you, Shri Gurudev. Um, I have a question. So if one is very sincere, he's chanting and everything, but he doesn't have like access uh, like to a pure devotee or I'm sorry, um, like doesn't have a contact with a pure devotee, then how can he make progress? Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagavan Chief Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhakti Lata Beej. No one can remain sincere without coming in contact with a devotee eventually. Krishna makes the arrangement. Just like in the case of Dhruva, when he left the palace, he was intercepted by Narada Muni, who became his guru. And there, the Bhagavatam mentions that Narada overheard the conversation with Dhruva and his mother. And then Prabhupada raises the question, how is that possible? He wasn't anywhere near the palace. He said it is by the instruction of the super soul within. So the verse I quoted, Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagyavan Jeev, means that the living entity is wandering in the material world, but if he becomes fortunate and desires to know Krishna, then Krishna arranges so he can get a guru, and then the guru arranges so that he can get Krishna. So in the Bhagavad Gita, yes, Kanka. All right. In the Gita, Krishna says, Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam tadami buddhi yogam tam yenamam upayantite. That for the sincere person, he gives all help from within. And Uddhava said that includes from without also because the both the shiksha and the diksha and the vartmana pradakshaka guru, three kinds of gurus, are manifestations of Krishna. That's the whole point, Krishna Kaviraj. Krishna's Kaviraj makes in the opening statement of the of the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita Vande Gurun Isha Bhaktan that he's saying I'm offering my respects to all my gurus and then he goes on to explain that Krishna is the guru and that he manifests himself externally as the various gurus Kanka and I was going to say um, to answer for his question is also Srila Prabhupada's books, Prabhupada would always tell us, um, better than my personal association is um, through my books, to read my books. Yes, there's the book Bhagavata and the person Bhagavat. And then, of course, when you read the book Bhagavat, it says you have to get in touch with the person Bhagavat as well. 
the two go together uh, inextricably. What else? Online, we have Gopal Champu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Gomaraj. Are you in New York? I'm in uh, Gita Nagri. I'm at the farm. Gita Nagri <laughs> at the farm. How nice. Okay, please go ahead. Um, so I was, uh, I was appreciating in this purport um, how Prabhupada, Prabhupada's use of consequence, how he said how a natural consequence of hearing and chanting will lead to the more advanced stages of devotional service. So I was just thinking this is a, a, a nice consequence. You know, different consequences that are available, that happen to us in this material world, but this is the best of all consequences um, to this hearing and chanting process. Yes. He mentioned also this morning, unless it was a lecture I heard probably give this morning, but he talked about how just as when one takes a drug intravenously, that it affects the whole body. And he said the hearing process is like that also. He also gave the like that meaning that once you take it in through your ears, it has a, a systemic effect on your whole life. And he gave the example of a tree. Once a, a fruit on the tree is ripe, you can one fruit is ripe, you can understand that all of them are ripening simultaneously. It's there. Okay. Thank you very much, Gopal Champu. Kotakarnava Prabhu also raised his hand. Thank you, Shabu Maharaj. Please accept my hand. Guru Maharaj, I have a question in this 2324 purport. In the first paragraph, Prabhupada kind of summarizes the first three chapters of Second Canto. He says, uh, We should know the prophet. Uh, and uh, there's a particular sentence in, he mentions the system of Panchopasana. It's very confusing. There are, there are two or three sentences he's saying recommending five mental attitudes for the common man, namely gradual development, worship of the superior that may be in the form of fire, electricity, the sun, the mass of living beings, Lord Shiva, and at last the impersonal super soul the partial representation of Lord Vishnu. So if you could clarify what, what is he mentioning there, I don't understand. It's, a, it's something that he mentions in several places throughout his books. It's a, a systematic and gradual way of coming to understand the presence of the Supreme. And for people who are addicted to the material energy, there are various gradual ways recommended. For instance, in the Gita, Krishna says that you should always think of me with love constantly. And then he said, if you can't do that, then follow the regulations of devotional service. If you can't do that, he said, then work for me. Sacrifice some of the fruits of, the, of your work and give it f for spreading Krishna consciousness. If he, sa he said, if you can't do that, then you should just give to any cause that you can. For some reason, you can't give for spreading Christian consciousness, anything, just be a giver. And he said, if you can't do that, then he gives a, a list of various other things that you can do, uh, sacrificing the fruits of your work, meditation, and so forth, through which you can start to develop uh, an understanding that you're a conscious being, and you can get in touch. So these other gradual 
uh, processes of worshiping or ways in which one becomes aware of a conscious source behind everything in different stages for people who are contaminated by the modes of nature. Yes. Thank you. Um, Srila Prabhupada mentions that in the um, 11th canto also, how you can learn so many things from like the moon and the sun, and he gives the different gurus. I, I don't know, do you remember all those gurus? Sure. This is the story of the Avaduta Brahmana. It's um, Maharaj Yadu who's going through the forest, and he meets the Avaduta Brahman and realizes that he's a highly elevated Paramahamsa. And he says, how did you become like this? And he said, I have all my gurus here. He said, where are these gurus? You're in the middle of the wilderness. We don't see anybody. He said, no, no, I, they're all around. And he began to name them. He started with the mountain. And the mountain, he said, from the mountain, I learned tolerance. That the mountain is constantly taking uh, thunderbolts and heavy rains. But it, it simply tolerates, and then it gives back uh, water in the form of springs, and all kinds of minerals come out. Then he talks about the tree in a similar vein. He talked about the Karari hawk, who one day he saw fly into the air with a piece of meat and then get assailed by two bigger hawks, who said, give it up or die. So the Karari hawk gave it up. And from that, he learned detachment. Better to just uh, drop it and go, <laughs> rather than holding on. He learned from the arrow maker, who was, he saw in the town once, who was making an arrow. And then the king's procession went by. And there were bands playing. And there were elephants and jugglers and a tumult. And someone asked the arrow maker, a while later, did you see the king? He said, no, I didn't see anything. Did you know he went by? No, I was not aware. And he gave that as an example of someone who is totally focused, how to stay focused on one thing and not become distracted by your environment. And of course, he told the story of Pingala, the prostitute who was trying to find a suitor and couldn't. No one would stop. And then finally, she came to this realization that, hey, what am I doing? This body is just a frame with skin and bones and so forth. This is a story told by uh, Krishna to Uddhava, the 11th canto, when he's instructing them about how one's own intelligence can become so sharp that you can take a lesson from the various elements of the world or situations through which you can become enlightened. Yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, in 2.3.23, uh, there was a reference to uh, uh, devotees, uh, those who haven't actually had the dust from the pure devotees of Lord, they are same as dead bodies. And to me, that was very profound. Uh, actually, if you can talk about that. Yeah, it's a uh it, it means that one should get some service. Primarily, it means that one should uh, align oneself 
in one's life with a pure devotee or somebody who's following a pure devotee. As Prabhupada mentioned, a pure devotee is somebody who's followed a pure devotee and become a pure devotee himself, and this is the pure devotee parampara. And getting the dust, of course, it's nice if you can actually get some dust. However, physical proximity is, is not the primary meaning of this. And a god-brother of mine, Sri Ishvara was telling a story about how when he was in Hawaii with Prabhupada, and Prabhupada was going on his morning walk, he was jockeying for position because Prabhupada in various places would take a large entourage with him. People would get selected to go from the temple and they would follow along and people wanted to be closer to Prabhupada. So sometimes, just like in a horse race or in water polo, there's a lot of pinching and scratching going on under the water <laughs> to try to get closer. So he was working his way up closer to Prabhupada and Prabhupada had this way of stopping in the middle of his walks to make a point. So Sureshwar was getting closer, closer behind and then Prabhupada stopped to make a point and Sureshwar, just like on the 101 freeway when it's stop and go traffic, he had to slam on his brakes and he, he didn't touch Prabhupada, but he ended up, he said, about two inches, his nose from the back of Prabhupada's head. And in that second, when he was close to him, he realized, hmm, it's not about getting close like this. It's not that by physical proximity, you're getting more. And it's not that if you're separated, uh, you have less, but it's in alignment with the pure devotee. And of course, again, if you can't, sit and be close or render some personal service, that's good. But the vani or the instruction of the pure devotee is most important. And if you can align yourself in service, like you take up some service that you know will be helpful to the mission of a pure devotee, then this is known as getting the dust from the lotus feet of, of a pure devotee. Yes, Gandharvika Radha. Uh, the two points I noted in the last verse that you read, Prabhu, where uh, Prabhupada says that the symptom of offenseless chanting is material desires going away. And you also uh, see, see how like one can measure one's progress by seeing how, many, uh, how much material desires one has. And uh, also, on the other hand, the last sentence in the same paragraph, Prabhupada says that... Uh, uh, like people who don't get in touch with the pure devotee of the Lord and rectify their bad habits. Otherwise, they shall continue to be stone-hearted and unfit for any treatment. So this point was so startling for me. Like you become unfit for treatment. That's so dangerous. So, and uh, I wanted to ask about pure devotees association and you already explained that. So I was just thinking like how much Everybody needs that, and that's the only way we can overcome our bad habits. Yeah, thank you for such important points. Just like to point out that the only person unfit for treatment is the one who won't take it. Because the treatment's always available. We're not dead stones, and there's never a point at which you can say, I'm too sick to take the medicine. Because there's always an opportunity for the soul to rise, because we're agents for our own change and improvement.
but we have to take some responsibility. And so that statement doesn't mean it's, you know, it's, it's a permanent condition. At any time, we can change our minds because we have free will and say, no, I think I'll surrender now. And, and then, of course, one can take treatment, and it's always available. That's why Krishna says at the end of the Bhagavad Gita that yatechasi tata karu, now do what you wish to do. He gave all, I give, I've given you all these instructions, now it's up to you. Would you like to follow them? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's the right, good. Yes, yeah, Sundari Kirtan. Oh, did you have a point? Okay, one, two. Maharaj, I wanted to ask that uh, among Vani and Vapuseva, how do we know which one to prioritize? Uh, uh, which two? When it comes to serving the pure devotee, yes. either by listening to them or by physically rendering service, how do we know when to prioritize what? Well, well Vani, there's Vani and Vapu. Vani means to hear, and Vapu means to serve the body of a devotee. And both are important, but of the two, Vani is more important. So uh, when you have an opportunity, then you take it. So uh, that doesn't mean that you'll, their two are completely mutually exclusive. You can do both. But of the two, Vani is always more important to hear from the devotee. That's the vital thing. So if you miss the Vapu, the personal association, but you're hearing, you're still going to pick up the qualities and be connected because it's absolute and it's the most important. But when you get an opportunity to serve, then you should. And especially if you're serving your guru, then it's always, it's important in the relationship to have some way that you can do something. It helps to bring the relationship closer. Thank you. Sundari Kirtan, and then we have a couple more on the board. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. It was um, a takeaway for me, the analogy of the frog that is croaking loudly, and what that serves to do is to attract the snake <laughs> to do him under, <laughs> to do him in. So it just, to be mindful of speaking insignificant, mundane, uh, unnecessary things that then would just help Maya connect you instead of and distract you from our real purpose. So just it's a reminder to be mindful of talking insignificant things. Yes, hmm. nice point. It's so vital. In fact, devotional service begins with service by the tongue. Atashi Krishna Namari Nabaved Grahamindriye. Seva Mukhi Jivhado Swayameva Spratida. Devotional service begins by serving with the tongue. If you use your tongue to glorify Krishna and speak about service and so forth, you make rapid advancement and also taste Krishna Prasadam and not other things. Thank you. Okay, Gandharvi, could you still have your hand up? You have another point? I uh, know, Prabhu, sorry. Okay, it's no problem. Mistake. No problem. Rasheshwari Leela. Dhanwad Pranams uh, to, to all the devotees. Um, I was, uh, I'm just appreciating you reading the second canto. It's just such a blissful um, 
you know, um, I feel like Prabhupada has put in all his heart in every purport and every uh, explanation of every verse. Um, I was appreciating, um, you know, that in the same verse 23, how Prabhupada mentions um, just we don't have access to the dust of a, you know, uh, from the feet of pure devotee. Uh, we can also serve Tulsi, and Tulsi uh, Maharani is so kind that she's actually the, you know, she's the one who's in charge for the pastimes in Vrindavan. So in that same purport, um, Prabhupada mentions also that, you know, devotees in Vrindavan, just like they, uh, they can get the mercy by praying Kladrani, we can, you know, also access that mercy simply by serving Tulsi Maharani, who's, you know, the expansion of Vrindavan herself. Yes. Thank you for the reminder. Very important. Two more on the board. Oh, Anupam. And did you say Divyangi? Okay. Thank you, Rasheshwari Leela. Okay, so Anupam. Hare Krishna, Gurudev, please, my basis. Hare Krishna. Uh, one point that really struck me as you were reading was the emphasis on, um, on not being offensive towards living entities in general in terms of then being qualified or empowered in the chant, the holy name properly. And um, I had just heard recently from the Chaitanya Bhagavat that it said, even if, if one offends an ordinary living entity, um, but he's worshipping Vishnu, all of his worship is useless and he suffers great pains what was said and so just reflecting on my own um, consciousness and where I'm at I feel like it's easy enough to um, become a little hard-hearted even while practicing devotional service or even distributing books to start looking at people as opportunities for donations or, or to increase you know the amount of gitas you've given out or something um, but I am constantly reminded by literatures that we've been given um, of the importance of, of just being a friend to everybody and being really kind. And I think that goes a long way, not only in terms of convincing them, but also in terms of um, edifying ourselves and increasing the potency of our chanting. So I like that point a lot. Thank you, Anupam Prabhu. Excellent points. In the, in the Gita, Krishna says, among other things, that one who is a kind friend to all living beings is very dear to me. Also, it's mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam by the Navayogendras in their definition of the three levels of devotees. The Kanishta Adhikari, or the devotee in the entry level, the lowest level, says, Acharyam eva hareye pujamya shareyate natad bhakteshu chanyesu sapakta prakrita smritaha. A materialistic devotee, which is a contradiction in terms, but it means that devotional service and devotees are so accommodating that even if somebody's not that qualified, they're counted if they <laughs> come and take the practice. And then he says, they're interested, they see Krishna only in the temple. Acharyam eva hariye, they see hari in the temple and through the process of archan. Pujam yashradehe hate. Nata bhakteshu chaanyeshu. So it means that However, they can't recognize who's a devotee and how to render service to devotees. And they don't know 
how important it is. And Sha'anyeshu means and others. They don't know how to show respect or do good for other living beings. And therefore, they're called materialistic devotees. The next level up, Ishare Taradineshu Balisheshu Dusatsucha, Prema Maitri Kripo Peksha, Yakaroti Samadhyamaha, is the Madhyama, or the middle devotee, who's a very exalted devotee, who does know how to distinguish between the different kinds of entities and do good for those who are innocent. Prabhupada warns in the, in the Sri Shapanishad, we shouldn't try to imitate the topmost devotee who actually sees everybody as more advanced than he, he, uh, himself because he, he sees, well, everyone's already engaged in devotional service because he sees the material energy as Krishna's energy and everybody's engaged in Maya's service, so <laughs> there they are. And therefore, he makes no distinction between one living being and another, like the Madhyama Adhikari. And so Prabhupada said uh, in the verse, Yastu sarvani bhutani atmani vanu pashyati sarva bhuteshu chatmanam tatunavajugupsate, that appeared of what he sees everyone equally, said, don't imitate that. Uh, we're kind friend to all living beings, but it doesn't mean that we're Paramahamsas and that uh, we don't interact with people appropriately. So that means that if somebody's averse to devotional service or antagonistic, then we're not to pursue them and try to befriend them because it'll make them more antagonistic. And uh, for those who are very innocent and open, then we pour in as much as mercy as we can. But it still follows the principle that you said of being a kind friend to a living entity. It's just administered uh, judiciously. Nice points, Anupam Prabhu. Thank you very much. Okay, let's see one more. We have on the board, I think, Divyangi. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Divyangi, where art thou? Um, where are you? What? Where oh, are you? I'm, uh, I'm at New Vrindavan. New Vrindavan. Okay, everyone's all over the place these days. <laughs> Good to see you. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So, um, uh, there was one, one verse, it, 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 was, it was mentioned that um, by this practice, the heart should melt. But then if heart doesn't melt, right, it means that we're committing offenses. And I was just thinking, so, you know, well, we've been chanting, but then sometimes it seems like there is no progress at all. And another time it seems like there is a little bit of progress. And I was just thinking, what? It, it's a very beautiful phrase uh, that heart is melted but then what it actually means what it like on practical level like how can we recognize that the heart a little bit melts at least practical level it means two things and this is mentioned in the verse evam vrtasva priyanama kirtya jatanurago jita chuta uchar hasatyato rotiti roti gayati unmaravan rititi lokabhayaha which is an important Srimad Bhagavatam verse that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's spiritual master Srila Ishvara Chandrapuri uh, taught to, to Mahaprabhu just after he took initiation. And when he started chanting, he became like a madman. I mean, all the symptoms came into his body at once. So he went back to his guru and he said, did you give me the right mantra? <laughs> because this one's driving me crazy. <laughs> and his guru then quoted, Evam Vratasvapriyanamakirtya, which particularly mentions Druta Chitta, which means, Chitta means the heart and Druta means to melt. So it's when, you're, when you take a vow to chant Hare Krishna, 
then eventually your heart will soften and melt. And then you'll act like a, a mad person. You don't care for social custom anymore because you're so internally absorbed. Then you don't see that people are walking by and you're laughing or crying or rolling on the ground. So then Madhvacharya, in, his, in the commentary to that verse, he mentions that not all devotees, just as Prabhupada mentioned, for various reasons, don't show symptoms at all externally. So then Madhvacharya weighs in and he says, there's, for an advanced devotee who's advancing in the process of chanting, there's two infallible symptoms that are always there that show advancement. So the first is steadiness. Steadiness shows that the heart is becoming uh, purified and is soft, softening. It means that you're so dedicated to your service, you always show up. And you're also able to fully follow the process without wavering. There's steadiness. And that's something you can't fake because you either show up or you don't. And the second, he says, is called Mukhi Prasad, which means that as pursuant to what Sundari Kirtan said, what you say is very important because it, it reveals what's actually the state of your heart. And so Mukhi Prasad means that when such a, a soft-hearted person speaks, the language and, the and what he or she is saying is beneficial to everybody. It doesn't mean it's namby-pamby. And it doesn't also mean that the person doesn't give some critical uh, observation, but it means that because the person's heart is nindadi shunya, in another verse in the Nectar of Instruction, where Rupa Goswami also mentions this principle that it's devoid of envy and the propensity to criticize others. And therefore, when such a person speaks, the, the words are highly beneficial. So you can tell by a person's speech and also by their steadiness of how their heart's softening and becoming purified. There's also a description of this in the Chaitanya Tartamrita when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu describes the ways in which uh, the array, he gives this, of the internal potency of Krishna touches the heart and it melts it. And at that time, one can start to experience in one's heart the mellows or the rasas of relationship with Krishna. In other words, you're really enjoying from within the mellows and the rasas when the heart melts by being touched by that ray of the internal energy. Are you happy? Is that all right? Okay. Okay, last one, and then we'll go Thank on. Thank you, Guru You're welcome. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Um, in the last purport, uh, we were in the section of the Pancha Upasana. So there, Srila Prabhupada at the end says that uh, the person who practices that at last comes to the impersonal super soul. So, what does impersonal super soul mean? Impersonal is Brahman realization, super soul is Paramatma. I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, because there's two questions already about Panchopasana, I'll, I'll bring back uh, some more detailed commentary uh, exactly about Panchopasana for the next session. And then we'll go, th go through it all at once. Is that okay? Okay. Okay, now we're continuing with. Text number 25. Is everyone okay? Yes. Do you need a three-minute break? No? Kanka doesn't want to.
don't need no stinking break. <laughs> okay, 25. We'll let you know. You're on the list. O Sutta Goswami, your words are pleasing to our minds. Please therefore explain this to us as it was spoken by the great devotee Shukadeva Goswami, who is very expert in transcendental knowledge and who spoke to Maharaj Prikshit upon being asked. Purport. Knowledge explained by the previous Acharya like Shukadeva Goswami and followed by the next like Sutta Goswami is always powerful transcendental knowledge and it is therefore penetrating and useful to all submissive students. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the second canto, third chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam entitled Pure Devotional Service, The Change of Heart, which just goes to show you never know how close you are to success. Just keep going. Chapter four, the process of creation. Sutta Goswami said, Maharaj Prikshit, the son of Uttara, after hearing the speeches of Shukadeva Goswami, which were all about the truth of the self, applied his concentration faithfully upon Lord Krishna. Purport, the word satim is very insignificant. This, meaning, this means existing and chaste, and both imports are perfectly applicable in the case of Maharaj Prikshit. The whole Vedic adventure is to draw one's attention entirely unto the lotus feet of Lord Krishna without any diversion, as instructed in the Bhagavad Gita 1515. Fortunately, Maharaj Prikshit had already been attracted to the Lord from the very beginning of his body in the womb of his mother. In the womb of his mother, he was struck by the Brahmastra atomic bomb released by Ashvatthama. But by the grace of the Lord, he was saved from being burnt by the fiery weapon. And since then, the king continuously concentrated his mind upon Lord Krishna, which made him perfectly chaste in devotional service. So by natural sequence, he was a chaste devotee of the Lord. And when he further heard from Srila Shukadeva Goswami that one should worship the Lord only and no one else, even though full of all desires and desireless, even though full of all desires or desireless, his natural affection for Krishna was strengthened. We have already discussed these topics. To become a pure devotee of Lord Krishna, two things are very much essential, namely having a chance to be born in the family of a devotee and having the blessings of a bona fide spiritual master. By the grace of Lord Krishna, Parikshit Maharaj had both opportunities. He was born in a family of such devotees as the Pandavas. And just to continue the dynasty of the Pandavas and show them special favor, the Lord specifically saved Maharaj Prikshit, who later on, by the arrangement of the Lord, was cursed by the boy of a Brahmin and was able to get the association of such a spiritual master as Shukadeva Goswami. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that a fortunate person by the mercy of the spiritual master and Lord Krishna, achieves the path of devotional service. This was perfectly applicable in the case of Maharaj Prikshit. By way of being born in a family of devotees, he automatically came in touch with Krishna. And after being so con contacted, he constantly remembered him. 
Constantly, excuse me, consequently, Lord Krishna gave the king a further chance for development in devotional service by introducing him to Shukadeva Goswami, a stalwart devotee of the Lord with perfect knowledge in self-realization. And by hearing from a bona fide spiritual master, he was perfectly able to concentrate his chaste mind further upon Lord Krishna as a matter of course. Maharaj Prikshit, as a result of his wholehearted attraction for Lord Krishna, was able to give up all deep-rooted affection for his personal body, his wife, his children, his palace, his animals like horses and elephants, his treasury house, his friends and relatives, and his undisputed kingdom. To become liberated means to become free from dehatma buddhi, the illusory attachment for personal bodily coverings and everything connected with the body, namely wife, children, and all other entanglements. One selects a wife for bodily comforts, and the result is children. For wife and children, one requires a dwelling place, and as such, a residential house is also necessary. Animals like horses, elephants, cows, and dogs are all household animals, and a householder has to keep them as household paraphernalia. In modern civilization, the horses and elephants have been replaced by cars and conveyances with considerable horsepower. To maintain all the household affairs, one has to increase the bank balance and be careful about the treasury house. And in order to display the opulence of material assets, one has to keep good relations with friends and relatives, as well as become very careful about maintaining the status quo. This is called material civilization of material attachment. Devotion for Lord Krishna means negation of all material attachments, as detailed above. By the grace of Lord Krishna, Maharaj Prikshit was awarded all material amenities and an undisputed kingdom in which to enjoy the undisputed position of king. But by the grace of the Lord, he was able to give up all connections with material attachment. That is the position of a pure devotee. Maharaj Prikshit, due to his natural affection for Lord Krishna as a devotee of the Lord, was always executing his royal duties on behalf of the Lord. And as a responsible king of the world, he was always careful to see that the influence of Kali would not enter his kingdom. A devotee of the Lord never thinks of his household paraphernalia as his own, but surrenders everything for the service of the Lord. Thereby, living entities under a devotee's care get the opportunity for God-realization by the management of a devotee master. Attachment for household paraphernalia and for Lord Krishna go poorly together. One attachment is the path of darkness, and the other attachment is the path of light. Where there is light, there is no darkness, and where there is darkness, there is no light. But an expert devotee can turn everything to the path of light by an attitude of service to the Lord, and the best example here is the Pandavas. Maharaj Yudhishthir and householders like him can turn everything to light by dovetailing so-called material assets in the service of the Lord. But one who is not trained or is unable to turn everything to the service of the Lord, near Banda Krishna Sambande, must give up all material connections before he can be fit to hear and chant the glories of the Lord. Or in other words, one who has seriously heard Srimad Bhagavatam for even one day, like Maharaj Prikshit, from a fit personality like Shukadeva Goswami, may be able to lose all affinity, affinity for material things. There is no utility simply in imitating Maharaj Prikshit 
and hearing Bhagavatam from professional men, even for 700 years. To take Srimad Bhagavatam as a means of maintaining family expenditure is the grossest type of namaparadha, offense at the feet of the Lord. Sarva Shubha Kriya Samyam Api Pramadaha. O great sages, the great soul Maharaj Prikshit, constantly wrapped in thought of Lord Krishna, knowing well of his imminent death, renounced all sorts of fruitive activities, namely acts of religion, economic development, and sense gratification, and thus fixed himself firmly in his natural love for Krishna and asked all these questions exactly as you are asking me. The three activities of religion, economic development, and sense gratification. Haribo! The three activities of religion, economic development, and sense gratification are generally attractive for conditioned souls struggling for existence in the material world. Such regulated activities prescribed in the Vedas are called karmakandiya, the karmakandiya conception of life, and householders are generally recommended to follow the rules just to enjoy material prosperity, both in this life and in the next. Most people are attracted by such activities. Even in the activities of their modern godless civilization, people are more concerned with economic development and sense gratification without any religious sentiments. As a great emperor of the world, Maharaj Prikshit had to observe such regulations of the Vedic Karmakandiya section. But by his slight association with Shukadeva Goswami, he could perfectly understand that Lord Krishna, the absolute personality of Godhead, Vasudev, from, for whom he had a natural love since his birth, is everything. And thus he fixed his mind firmly on, upon him, renouncing all modes of Vedic Karmakandiya activities. This perfectional stage is attained by a jnani after many, many births. The jnanis, or the empiric philosophers endeavoring for liberation, are thousands of times better than the fruit of workers. And out of hundreds of thousands of such jnanis, one is liberated factually. And out of hundreds of thousands of such liberated persons, even one person is rarely found who can firmly fix his mind up unto the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna, as declared by the Lord himself in the Bhagavad Gita 7.19. Maharaj Prikshit is specially qualified with the word Mahamanaha, which puts him on an equal level with the Mahatmas described in the Bhagavad Gita. In the later age also, in the later age also, there have been many Mahatmas of this type, and they also gave up all Karmakandiya conceptions of life solely and wholly depending on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. Lord Chaitanya, who is Lord Krishna himself, taught us in his Shikshashtaka, Ashli Shiva Paravatam Pinashtumam Adarshanam Marmahatam Kurotuva Yata Tatava Vidatatu Lampato Lord Krishna, who is the lover of many devotees, women may embrace this fully surrendered maidservant or may trample me with his feet, or he may render me brokenhearted by not being present before me for a long duration of time, but still he is nothing less than the absolute Lord of my heart. Srila Rupa Goswami spoke thus, Viracharya mai dandam dina bando dayamiva Katir iha na bhavata kachit anya mamasti. 
nipatatu shatakoti nirbaram va navam bha tad apikila payodha stuyate chatakena O Lord of the poor, do what you like with me. Give me either mercy or punishment. But in this world, I have none to look to except Lord, your lordship. A chataka bird always prays for the cloud, regardless of whether it showers, rain, or throws a thunderbolt. Srila Madhavendrapuri, the grand spiritual master of Lord Chaitanya, took leave of all karma kandiya obligations in the following words. Sanya vandana badramastu bhavato bostana tu byam namo bodeva pitarashta tarpa navidao naha shamasham yatam yatra kwapini shadaya yadava I'm sorry, yatra kwapini shadya yadava kulod tamasya kamsa dvisha smaram smaram agam harami tadalam manye kim me well if shamalangi was here we'd ask her to add it to our list so if you're listening anywhere shamalangi you can add it oh my yes evening. guru maharaj i will <laughs> i am listening <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for remembering. Haribo. <laughs> Very good to know you're there. Oh, my evening prayer, all good to you. Oh, my morning bath, I bid you goodbye. Oh, demigods and forefathers, please excuse me. I'm unable to perform any more offerings for your pleasure. Now I've decided to free myself from all reactions to sins simply by remembering anywhere and everywhere the great descendant of Yadu and the great enemy of Kamsa, Lord Krishna. I think that this is sufficient for me. So what is the use of further endeavors? Srila Madhavendrapuri further said, Mugdhammam nigatantu niti nipuna rantamahurvadika Mandam bandava sanchaya jadadiyam mukta dara shodara unmatam daininino vivekta chatura kama mahadambikam moktum na shamate managapimano govinda pada spriham. Let the sharp moralist accuse me of being illusioned. I do not mind. Experts in Vedic activities may slander me as being misled. Friends and relatives may call me frustrated. My brothers may call me a fool. The wealthy Mammonites may, may point me out as mad. And the learned philosophers may assert that I am much too proud. Still my mind does not budge an inch from the determination to serve the lotus feet of Govinda, though I am unable to do it. And also, Prahlad Maharaj says, Dharmaratakam iti yo bihitas trivargya iksha trayi nayadamao vivida chavarta manye tade tadakilam nigamasya satyam swatmarpanam swa suhrida paramasya pumsa. 
Religion, economic development, and sense gratification are celebrated as three means of attaining the, the path of salvation. Of these, iksha, trayi, especially, that is, knowledge of the self, knowledge of fruit of acts, and logic, and also politics and economics are different means of livelihood. All these are different subjects of Vedic education, and therefore I consider them temporary engagements. On the other hand, surrendering unto the Supreme Lord Vishnu is the factual gain in life, and I consider it the ultimate truth. The whole matter is concluded in the Bhagavad Gita 241 as Buddhi, or the absolute path of perfection. Sri Baladev Bidyabhushan, a great Vaishnava scholar, defines this as Bhagavad Archana Rupaika Nishkama Karmabir Vishuddha Chitta. Accepting transcendental loving service to the Lord as the prime duty, free from fruitive reaction. So Maharaj Prikshit was perfectly right when he firmly accepted the lotus feet of Lord Krishna, renouncing all karmakandiya conceptions of life. Maharaj Prikshit said, O learned Brahmana, you know everything because you are without material contamination. Therefore, whatever you have spoken to me appears perfectly right. Your speeches are gradually destroying the darkness of my ignorance, for you are narrating the topics of the Lord. Purport. The practical experience of Maharaj Prikshit is disclosed herein, revealing that transcendental topics of the Lord act like injections when received by the sincere devotee from a person who is perfectly uncontaminated by material tinges. In other words, reception of the messages of Srimad Bhagavatam from professional men heard by a Karmakandiya audience never acts miraculously as stated here. Devotional hearing of the messages of the Lord is not like hearing ordinary topics. Therefore, the action will be felt by the sincere hearer by experience of the gradual disappearance of ignorance. Yasya devi para bhaktir yata devi from where? When a hungry man is given food to eat, he feels satisfaction of hunger and the pleasure of dining simultaneously. Thus, he does not have to ask whether he has actually been fed or not. The crucial test of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam is that one should get positive enlightenment by such an act. Everyone okay? Yes. Better than okay. I beg to know from you how the personality of Godhead by his personal energies creates these phenomenal universes as they are, which are inconceivable even to the great demigods. Purport. In every inquisitive mind, the important question of the creation of the phenomenal world arises. And therefore, for a personality like Maharaj Prikshit, who was to know all the activities of the Lord from his spiritual master, such an inquiry is not uncommon. For every unknown thing, we have to learn and inquire from a learned personality. The question of creation is also one of such inquiries to be made to the right person. The spiritual master, therefore, must be one who is sarvagya, as stated here and before, in connection with Shukadeva Goswami. Thus, all inquiries 
on God, which are unknown to the disciple, may be made from the qualified spiritual master. And here the practical example is set by Maharaj Prichit. It was, however, already known to Maharaj Prichit that everything we see is born out of the energy of the Lord, as we have all learned in the beginning of in the very beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, Janmadya Silyataha. So Maharaj Prichit wanted to know the process of creation. The origin of creation was known to him, otherwise he would not have inquired how the personality of Godhead by his different energies creates this phenomenal world. The common man also knows that the creation is made by some creator and is not created automatically. We have no experience in the practical world that a thing is created automatically. Foolish people say that the creative energy is independent and acts automatically as electrical energy works. But the intelligent man knows that even the electrical energy is generated by an expert engineer in the localized powerhouse. And thus the energy is distributed everywhere under the resident engineer's supervision. The Lord's supervision in connection with creation is mentioned even in the Bhagavad Gita 9.10. And it is clearly said there that the material energy is a manifestation of one of many such energies of the Supreme. Parasya shaktir an inexperienced boy may be struck with wonder by seeing the impersonal actions of electronics or many other wonderful things conducted by electrical energy. But an experienced man knows that behind the action is a living man who creates such energy. Similarly, the so-called scholars and philosophers of the world may, by mental speculation, present so many utopian theories about the impersonal creation of the universe. But an intelligent devotee of the Lord, by studying the Bhagavad Gita, can know that behind the creation is the hand of the Supreme Lord. Just as in the generating electric coal powerhouse, there is the resident engineer. The research scholar finds out the cause and the effect of everything. But research scholars as great as Brahma, Shiva, Indra, and many other demigods are sometimes bewildered by seeing the wonderful creative energy of the Lord. So what to speak of the tiny mundane scholars dealing in petty things? As there are differences in the living conditions of different planets of the universe, and as one planet is superior to others, the brains of the living entities in those respective planets are also of different categorical values. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, one can compare the long duration of life of the inhabitants of Brahma's planet, which is inconceivable to the inhabitants of this planet Earth, to the categorical value of the brain of Brahmaji, and inconceivable, also inconceivable, to any great scientist of this planet. And with such high brain power, even Brahmaji has described in his great Sanghita, Brahma Samhita, as follows, Ishvara Parama Krishna Sakchidananda Vigraha there are many personalities possessing the qualities of Bhagavan, but Krishna is the supreme because no one can, because none can excel him. He is the supreme person, and his body is eternal, full of knowledge and bliss. He is the primeval Lord Govinda, and the cause of all causes. Brahmaji admits Lord Krishna to be the supreme cause of all causes. But persons with tiny brains within this petty planet Earth think that the Lord think think of the Lord as one of them. 
Thus, when the Lord says in the Bhagavad Gita that he, Lord Krishna, is all in all, the speculative, speculative philosophers and the mundane wranglers deride him. And the Lord regret, regretfully says, Fools deride me when I descend in the human form. They do not know my transcendental nature and my supreme dominion over all that be. Brahma and Shiva, and what to speak of other demigods, are bhutas, or powerful created demigods who manage universal affairs, much like ministers appointed by a king. The ministers may be Ishwaras, or controllers, but the Supreme Lord is Maheshwara, or the creator of the controllers. Persons with a poor fund of knowledge do not know this, and therefore they have the audacity to deride him because he comes before us by his causeless mercy occasionally as a human being. The Lord is not like a human being. He is Sakchit Ananda Vigraha, or the absolute personality of Godhead. And there is no difference between his body and his soul. He is both the power and the powerful. Maharaj Prikshit did not ask his spiritual master, Shukadeva Goswami, to narrate Lord Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. He wanted to hear first about the creation of the Lord. Shukadeva Goswami did not say that the king should hear about the direct transcendental pastimes of the Lord. The time was very short. And naturally, Shukadeva could have gone directly to the 10th canto to make a shortcut of the whole thing, as generally done by the professional reciters. But neither the king nor the great speaker of Srimad Bhagavatam jumped up like the organizers of Bhagavatam. Both of them proceeded systematically so that both future readers and hearers might take lessons from the example of the procedure of reciting Srimad Bhagavatam. Those who are in control of the external energy of the Lord, or in other words, those who are in the material world, must first of all know how the external energy of the Lord is working under the direction of the Supreme Personality. And afterwards, one may try to enter into the activities of his internal energy. The mundaners are mostly worshippers of Durga Devi, the external energy of Krishna. But they do not know that Durga Devi is but the shadow energy of the Lord. Behind her astonishing display of material workings is the direction of the Lord, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 9.10. The Brahma Sanghita affirms that Durga Shakti is working by the direction of Govinda, and without his sanction, the powerful Durga Shakti cannot even move a blade of grass. Verse, please. That's halfway through. Stay from the beginning. I'll read it again. The Brahma Samhita affirms that Durga Shakti is working by the direction of Govinda, and without his sanction, the powerful Durga Shakti cannot move even a blade of grass. Therefore, the neophyte devotee, instead of jumping up at once to the platform of transcendental pastimes presented by the internal energy of the Lord, may know how great the Supreme Lord is by inquiring about the process of his creative energy. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita also, 
descriptions of the creative energy of the Lord's hand in it are explained, and the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita has warned the neophyte devotees to be seriously on guard against the pitfall of neglecting knowledge about Krishna in regard to how great he is. Only when one knows Lord Krishna's greatness can one firmly put one's unflinching faith in him. Otherwise, like a common man, even the great leaders of men will mistake Lord Krishna for one of the many demigods or a historical personality or a myth only. The transcendental pastimes of the Lord in Vrindavan or even in Dwarka are relishable for persons who have already qualified themselves in advanced spiritual techniques and the common man may be able to attain to such a plane by the gradual process of service and inquiries as we shall see in the behavior of Marj Prikshit. Now we'll take a few more questions or reflections. And we'll also take the verse from the Brahma Samhita. Go ahead. <laughs> Doesn't work. Sorry, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, yeah. Go ahead, Gandharvika. Shrishti Siti Pralaya Sadhana Shakti Reka Chaye Vayasya Bhuvanani Bhibarti Durga Ichan Rupam Apiasya Chateshta Tesha Govindamadi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. Points, questions? Questions or points? Yes. Um, so there was mention of uh, that this world is not moving automatically. Um, so there was this funny uh, video, um, two minutes video by Amoglila Prabhu, where he was saying, you know, if there was one person who was saying that the world is, everything is automatic, you know. There is no controller. He says, like, if you give uh, a hair to a cow, then, you know, milk, milk comes automatically. <laughs> so then he said, you know, he asked, like, if you give it to the bull, then will it come automatically? <laughs> so he said, you know, no, it doesn't, um, it doesn't work. So um, that way, so um, somebody has uh, created it like that. So, yeah, I... I was remembering that when Srila Prabhupada was mentioning about that everything is automatically. Thank you. Yes? Prabhu? I like that Prabhupada mentions various analogies to explain the points, like the electricity distribution and also like how he, uh, there is a creator behind everything. And also he connects with the horsepower that we, although we think that we have advanced by having vehicles and all, but at the end it's uh, just, uh, we, it's a household paraphernalia. Previous ages there were horses, now we have animals. So it's still the same thing. And he gives the appointment like demigods and uh, Krishna, like ministers and appointed by the kings. So I like the various analogies. I've been hearing, but 
from many people, but Prabhupada quotes it, so that makes it nice. He also mentioned how the, it seems obligatory to have all this paraphernalia, and then he named the different kinds of pets. Yeah, horses. Including elephants. Cows. Not many people keep elephants these days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kripa Prabhu. Krishna Maharaj, uh, I really like when Prabhupada explained that uh, you know we should uh, read Srimad Bhagavatam systematically, uh, as he pointed out that uh, it was known that Prakshit Maharaj has only had only seven days, and Sukhdev Goswami could have taken a shortcut <laughs> to directly go to the tenth cantor. I mean, it, it's uh, you have said it before, but as Prabhupada emphasized this one, it's pretty. Uh, clear that you know all the content as we read it through how it may sometimes sound dry or sometimes sound you know philosophical but we have to go through that first to understand the magnanimity of the lord's creation so then we can enter with the past time so i think it solidify the you know that thought which you have previously mentioned as Prabhupada said that one so i just thought to highlight i really like that part yes important point i noticed that also Shraddha, is that you? <laughs> it's hard to tell who anybody is. Good to see you. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maharaj. I'm just so happy to be here. Haribo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was just, um, towards the end of your narration, there was a mention about um, the importance of knowing the pastimes of Krishna, the stories of Krishna, and about Krishna. So that's such a powerful statement we can make while distributing the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because it said that if you don't know about Krishna, then there are chances that you will think that he's an ordinary person or even a myth. So, yes. Yeah. Vitally important. Hansapriya, we were thinking we'll have the Dhammada Ashrakam at seven. Just saying. Yes. Okay. Sukeshri. Prabhuji, I also had the same comment like what Radhika Prabhu mentioned, that uh, he's not asking about the pastimes of Krishna, starting with creation. I was just wondering that Parikshit Maharaj was in this world, I mean, this uh, Earth planet, right? So in that sense, there was the days a little larger, because this is again, Kaliuga had already started, right Prabhu? So it was, um, so the days that we have now, 24 hours, wasn't that the same amount of time that they had for seven days? So I'm just wondering that he literally covered from the first canto to the end of uh, the twelfth canto every subject matter. So yeah, but didn't just read all the purports. Sorry, Prabhu. Didn't read all the purports. Oh, he did only the translation. <laughs> That's even now when we do translation. Yeah, that is so true, Prabhu. Three months every day, every, every day, one hour if we do only translation, and three months we can finish Bhagavatam. That's how we do with the pregnant Matajis. <laughs> so how long does it take? Uh, so three months every weekday, one hour. So that is uh, 28 plus 28 plus 28. 84 hours. 84 hours? So, it's possible, right? <laughs> we had, yeah, that's 24 right. 24 times 7. Yep, 
There was time left over for Uttara to ask him questions. He got the old Briyat Bhagavatamrita. Thank you, There you have it. Okay, what else? Any impressions or reflections or questions? The two phrases I liked from the translation, one was uh, Prabhupada said, uh, he translated Satyam as chaste mind. Yes. And in the next uh, translation, he writes that uh, as a result of his wholehearted attraction to Krishna, Parikshit Madhav is able to listen. So that phrase, wholehearted attention. Yes, very nice. I just like those two phrases. These are very tasteful f- phrases that Prabhupada weaves in, just the way he speaks about it. You can see, I think often when I'm hearing the way Prabhupada puts these things, how his colleagues, God brothers, named him poet. So Prabhupada mentions that, they, they call him, oh, he's the poet. And his Guru Maharaj picked him out and noticed the way that he expressed himself and said many laudatory things about the way he talked. And that's uh, one of the reasons that you know he encouraged them to write. It's because he was so good at it. And whatever he wrote came out like this, very poetically and perfectly aligned with the philosophy. So you also got that title Bhaktivedanta because of that as well. Yes. Uh, Jagarini? We'll get you a microphone in seven seconds or less or your money back from today's class. Along those same lines, I was just I really liked when Prabhupada calls it a Vedic adventure. Yeah, that's nice too. A Vedic adventure, yeah. adventure right? Yeah, that yeah. Uh, it's all meant to bring us to Krishna's lotus feet. Yeah, really good. Okay. Balmukunda and then Rasheshri Lila. Prabhupada talks about hearing from professional reciters uh-huh. who try to make money. So, I think what benefit they get because it's I see in my childhood it's popular many people go and listen because they think it's an auspicious activity do they get any benefit from hearing from them only if the devotees set up a table outside (laughs) (laughs) in fact it can be uh, contaminating Uh, this was a point made by Srila Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj uh, there were some people who set up a Bhagavat Sapta near where he was doing his bhajan. He was very famous for his bhajan. People knew he was a sadhu just sitting there with nothing. It's very attractive actually. You know, somebody's there just chanting Hare Krishna. Everyone knows a pure devotee. So people come see him. He would basically recluse himself so that they couldn't find him. He would sometimes he would be in a latrine, you know, so people didn't want to come near it. Or sometimes he would act crazy. So people thought, you know, like, what? And so once some people set up a Bhagavat Sapta near where he was doing his bhajan, because they felt like it would lend credibility to the whole program. And after the Bhagavat Sapta was over, then he called his uh, disciple and he said, uh, go clean that place with Ganga water. He said, Bhagavan Maharaj, 
They just read Bhagavatam for seven days. He said, I did not hear them speak Bhagavatam. All I heard was rupee, rupee, rupee. <laughs> so pure devotees are very sensitive to this. And therefore, it's, it says, sarpo chishta yatapaya. That just like um, the uh, milk, if some snake comes and tastes it, and then you take some afterwards, you're going to get a little residue of that snake venom. So it's it's uh, can be detrimental, actually. Hare the, Krishna. Yes, uh, Rishishri Lila, go ahead. Uh, I think it was Danuvari Mataji. She wants to say something. You can go, Mataji, first. I'll I'll say it after. Thank you. Okay. Okay, um, I, I was struck with the point that Prabhupada mentions in uh, purport of verse 6, uh, where he talks about how Brahmaji admits that, you know, Lord Krishna is the supreme cause of all causes, but persons with tiny brains, he says, within this petty planet Earth, think of the Lord as one of them. Thus, uh, he says that the Lord regretfully says, Avijananda Mura, that verse, I, I was just so struck that uh, uh, how Prabhupada, you know, brings out that side of how Krishna feels. You know, it's Krishna who's actually empowering every uh, soul and actually every atom to function within this whole, uh, you know, gigantic cosmic manifestation. And um, he's, he's the supreme and um, he desires uh, just you know, um, love. And, um, but, you know, living entities covered by false ego, they make these giant plans to just, um, you know, not give him a place. Um, and so the Lord is regretful and he actually has to say that, um, that fools deride me when I descend in the human form. They do not know my transcendental nature. And I was just thinking that, um, how Krishna's, you know, how Prabhupada is, is giving us a glimpse with my tiny intelligence, how Lord is also feeling regretful. Yeah, that's a very noticeable section there. Thanks for bringing it out again. A nice uh, way you contextualize it. Okay, and f for the close, we have Danavari. Yes, Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, uh, please accept my humble obeisances, uh, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Uh, my question is uh, related to in regarding the Prabhu said about the Bhagavad Sapta when you said it's going on um, continuously in India and various places. Uh, so should we tell our relative or advice or how do we, if they are listening to that on TV and constantly there are commercialized Bhagavad Sapta, how do we, should we not interfere or just keep quiet or how should we just... For whom? To our, to our own family, family members or... Mm -hmm. No, the best thing to do is set up your own Bhagavad reading like we're doing here. It's a offer a you know, a circle in which you can hear the Bhagavatam with Prabhupada's purports and do some chanting and things like that. And uh, even if they're still going to Bhagavat Saptahas, the sincere ones will come and listen to Bhagavatam and they'll get a higher taste. 
because the Bhagavad Saptahas are, it's a real show. I mean, of course, you know, if there's a pure devotee there giving it, you know, and speaking on Bhagavad, it'll be a completely different vibration. But generally, it's it's a it's a showy affair, and people come there because it sort of titillates their senses, and they feel that they're um, they did something <laughs> worthy. But the point is, give a, a better opportunity for people to come because then they'll come and actually feel transformation. You know, when we place a set of Bhagavatams in somebody's home, and then we do the installation. My favorite part is watching the family when we pass the book around and read the preface, because everyone reads a paragraph, and you just notice in any house, apartment, any place we go, when the family sits there in a circle and reads that preface, just the preface, you feel the whole house transform, and you, the people there are like, hey, we just started our spiritual life right now, right? That's <laughs> totally different environment. And as Prabhupada pointed out in the, one of the last purports that we read, he quoted from the verse that says, um, what's that verse? Um, I'm sorry? I can't hear you. I'm trying to remember how the verse starts. Bhakti parishanu bhavu virakti ranyata traisha trika ekakala prapadya manasya tashnata tushti pushti shud apanyo nugasam which means that when you eat food, when you're hungry, you feel, is that the one you were going to say? Something like that. When you feel naturally satisfied and hungry, so Prabhupada said that when you hear Bhagavatam from the right person, then you'll feel satisfied. So I recommend that. Because if you just tell them, don't go, they won't be able to understand that. Better you give them another opportunity. They'll let them experience it for themselves. So Thank you uh, so much, Hare Krishna. Thank you very much, Dhanavari. Hare Krishna. So we came to, together today twice and read Bhagavatam, and we can see that it's just the beginning. We need at least 24 hours, at least a full month with maybe, you know, more constant. So we're working towards that, right? But thank you very much, everyone, for coming and to, for joining online from various places where maybe late at night. Bhakti Roman, we see you there in Toronto at... 10 o'clock, thank you. And all those came from Gita Nagari and New Vrindavan and East Coast, San Diego, same time zone, but Subraj is the steadiest person on the, on the planet. So thank you very much everybody for, for coming. And now we're going to have the Dhammara Ashtakam and uh, We'll just take a three-minute break, and then we'll come back out and uh, offer lamps. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Vancha Kalpa Dhrubhusha, Kripa Sindhaveva Chapa Titanam Pravam, Bhyo Vaishnavi, Bhyo Namuna Mahanantakoti Vaishnavi ki jai. His Grace Vaishya Shika Prabhu ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai.